Welcome to Let's Open the Bible, where our goal is to open the Bible and look at what it says. For the next few minutes, we will be looking at a passage from one book. We will continue weekly until we finish that book. I'm Tom Nordstrom, and with me is Bill, Casey, and Nate. Welcome to Let's Open the Bible. This is season number two, episode eight. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter five, verses one through 16. I know we kind of took a a little bit of a break, but we're going to try and get back on track here and post weekly. So hopefully you've bared with us. If not, you can kind of tune back in. We're going to try and get more regular here, but we're going to do Ephesians, chapter five, verses one through 16. And with me, I have Tom and Nate. Am I reading? I'm reading. All right, Ephesians 5, 1 through 16. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as it is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you, may be <clears throat> for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is uh, covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were... You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. All right. Uh, I have a couple things that I wanted to point out that I noticed right off the bat. First of all, we see a bunch of connections to the idea of walking. Walking is a theme in Ephesians, and it starts back in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. In Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10, we see this big section of this is what you used to be, but God changed you, and this is what you are now. Um, It says that we are his workmanship or his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Christ or God created us um, to be something new. We're not old and dead anymore, but now we're alive. And he created us for these good works that we're supposed to walk in. So now, as a launch pad off of Ephesians 2.10, this walking, we see this theme show up in Ephesians. We see it in chapter 4, verse 1. We see it walk in a manner worthy of the calling. We see walk, I, I believe I'm missing a couple, but we see this word walk show up a bunch right here in Ephesians 5, which is a tie back to 2 verse 10. We see it in 5.2, walk in love as Christ loved us. 
We see it in 5 verse 8. Uh, walk as children of light. Um, 4 verse 17 has it. 4 17 has it. So uh, all of this is a, yeah, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So I guess the, the theme is now that we are new creatures uh, created in Christ, we have a new standard of how we walk. Um, and Ephesians 5, 1 through 16, what we just read, really dives into a specific aspect of what our walking is supposed to be like. Um, and I have another point to say, but I'll let you guys talk first, and then I'll come back. Well, I mean, chapter 5 follows chapter 4, which is about the new man and what you are, and so therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Um, I was always taught in school, if there's a therefore, make sure you know what it is there for. Make sure you know why that transition word is there, so what it follows. So you look at Ephesians 4, it talks about unity and this new way to walk and this new man. And therefore it says, be imitators of God as dear children. That's kind of the way it starts. Um, and for me, you know, the headings in our Bible aren't inspired by God. They're put in by men, but sometimes they're helpful. Um, so there's kind of three sections here, walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. Um, and that's kind of how this chapter's divided up. Um, it helps you out a little bit just to kind of see the theme that's running through that. So those first seven verses are walk in love, eight through 14 is walk in light, and then 15 through 21 is walk in wisdom. I'm going to bounce off a little bit about what you said. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1 says, therefore be imitators of God. And there's a comma there, and I... It, Immediately seeing that, I'm drawn back all the way to the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, um, when God makes man, uh, Genesis 1.26, it says, When God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And I know a lot of people think that when we get to heaven and see God, he's going to look just like us. But... I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think what he's implying there is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all united in a plan. They're all working together to get us to heaven. Being imitators of God is we are all working together. We need to be united in our goal to get not just ourselves to heaven, but each other to heaven also. So if I see you struggling... I'm to encourage you so that you're in heaven also. But then after the after that comma in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, as beloved children. Maybe not quite so much today, but I know back in history, the father would train the eldest son to take over the family business, whether it was the farm or if they were a blacksmith, or if they were a miller, whatever. So it was encouraging to the father to see his eldest son take after him and be, the son would do exactly what the father would do. And so it would be an encouragement to him. And it would also be an encouragement to the son because then he would see that the father was pleased with him on how he was handling things. So those are... Those are two things that really jumped out at me just in verse 1. So I'm going to play off of that idea of the beloved children. We're supposed to imitate God as 
as his children. There's a couple connections here with his children. I think back to chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And 1, 3 through 14 is this. It's a description of our um, salvation, and it's noting all the blessings that we have in Christ, those who are in Christ. Uh, and it's a lot of these different pictures of our salvation, thanking God for what he's given to us. And one of these things is, in verse 5, our salvation is described as being an adoption, and now we are adopted as sons to God through Jesus. And so the picture is we once did not belong to God, but whenever we become saved, it's like God is adopting us, um, and we now belong to him. We're his children. Uh, That word adoption ties right back to chapter 1, verse 5. Okay, if we are adopted to to God as his children, we need to now assimilate to him and be like him and imitate him as his beloved children. Another connection with this word children is there in verse 6. For, let's see, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon you, or comes upon the sons of disobedience. That's a weird phrase, the sons of disobedience. But I think, if I'm understanding the connections correctly, there is a contrast between being adopted as sons to God and imitating him as his children. And then on the other side of that, we have the sons of disobedience. So we can either choose to be a child of God or a child of disobedience. And you also have the children of light, um, yeah. which I think is kind of the same idea. Where is that at? Um, that's verse number 8. Yeah. For you once were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Children of light. Yeah, that's an interesting. I don't know if I've ever really noticed that before. Yeah, that children um, is interesting. Something I just wanted to quickly mention. We don't really have time to discuss it fully, but verse number two um, talks about a sweet a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Um, I guess all I really want to say about this, because we don't really have time to go fully in depth, is that Nate did preach a sermon on this, and if you're interested, the audio is online at the, the hereonchurch.net. Um, that's just for if you want some extra listening, some things to go to. But we can... There's sacrifice to God that are pleasing aroma and sacrifice to God that are not pleasing. Um, and so we have to make sure that we're on the right side of that. Um, what we can do can either be pleasing to God or not pleasing to God. Um, here in verse number two, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross was a pleasing aroma to God. That's what it's referring to. But just something to kind of point out. And I think it's kind of a cool idea that goes all the way back to the Old Testament and sacrifices that were made to God. I guess so. Did you guys have anything else on chapter one, or one and two? Wait, of verse one and two? Verses one and two. Uh, sorry, chapter right. five? Yeah, chapter um, five. Not necess- no, not specifically there, no. Okay. Um, I, I find it interesting that as soon as, as Paul says, be imitators of God, he immediately goes into, don't be sexually immoral. Mm-hmm. It starts right there because aside from money, that's probably the next biggest struggle that men have. Men and women is sexual immorality. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, fornication or adultery. You know, I, I'm 
I think back to Job where he says, I have trained my eyes not to even look at another woman. And you hear it frequently in today's world, well, there's no harm in looking. Well, yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's part of the sexual immorality is you're not even to look. Now, you, Nate and Casey are both married, I am not. As married men, you shouldn't look at all at another woman. And if you're a married woman, you shouldn't look at all at another man, period, for anything. And the same goes for me to a certain extent, you know, as far as I shouldn't look at a woman for any reason outside of, is she walking with Christ? And Yeah, so much of the, I think that's true that a lot of the lists of sins in the New Testament, uh, sexual morality is right there, highlighted in all of those. And if you look through the Old Testament, and in, I mean, if you look at a, an example is in Romans 1. In Romans 1, Paul is calling out the Gentiles um, for their sin, and one of the number one things that he calls out, um, there's a couple of them, but one of the things that he calls out is their, they exchange the, you know, the, the normal, natural sexual relationship that God blessed man with, and they exchanged it for something else. Um, and so twisting uh, sex is huge throughout Scripture, and, man, we see it as one of the number one topics today uh, is twisting our the, the view of, of the sex. Um, and I think this passage here even takes it a step further, and so it's not just, you know, sex— Verse number four, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, so just even talking foolishly, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving things. Um, Foolish talking, coarse jesting, I think they're kind of similar, but I guess they're probably a little bit different. Um, You know, kids like to make sexual jokes or sexual innuendos or talk about, you know, things they ought not to. Well, here, as children of God, as we talked about children, you know, that's something that we should abstain from, not be a part of. You know, this crude joking, uh, guys would always get ready to tell me a joke, and I would always, knowing their character, I would start asking them, now wait a minute, before you tell me this joke, could I tell this joke to my dad? And a lot of the people that were trying to tell me these sexual jokes knew my dad, so they'd be like, well, no, and it's like, okay, then I don't need to hear it. Mm -hmm. If I can't tell my dad... I don't need to hear the joke. Yeah. You know, and I, I made mention way back at the beginning of Ephesians that I have an adopted family. My adopted little brother did stand up comedy, a comedy routine. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to go and see it, but I always, I warned him, you know, cut out the swearing in your, I mean, I haven't seen your routine. But cut out whatever swearing it is because just swearing in a comedy routine is a cheap laugh. People will laugh at a swear word just because, oh, it's so, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's so daring to say that in public. It, it's not. Um, you know, 
if you can get people to laugh without swearing, you're doing a much better job than somebody who's just dropping a, a swear word in there just to get a laugh. Yeah. Yeah, so part of this walking is not only, I mean, it starts with our mind. Is is our mind pure? And if our mind isn't pure, then our actions won't be pure. Our words won't be pure. It's a purity of heart. And a another thing I want to point out that obviously goes right along with this is another kind of theme we see in Ephesians 5, uh, 1 through 16. There's a bunch of phrases that have a lot to do with uh, being careful uh, to focus on what's true and, and dis- discerning what's true and false. So here's a couple. Uh, verse 6, chapter 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, okay, is one. Another is verse 10. Try to dis- discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Um, expose unfruitful works in verse 11. Uh, when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. Um, verse 15, look carefully how you walk. Verse 17, understand what the will of the Lord is. There's a lot of phrases in here. It seems like what Paul is kind of honing in on in 5, 1 through 16 is is part of our character and part of our the nature of our of our new walk with God is being very careful and trying to figure out what's right and wrong. It's not just uh, aimlessly and blindly walking into anything and listening to anything, but we need to be very careful um, and don't let people deceive us with our words and expose things that are false and uh, let the light shine on what is true. There is a uh, a movement in Christianity, or I'll put Christianity in quotes. There's a lot of quote-unquote Christians who are willing to listen to anything and take you know whatever's new, they're, they're going to listen to it, but that is not what God calls us to be. He calls us to be people who test the spirits and to discern. Um, we don't just need to listen to anything, but we need to be very careful uh, how we walk. When I think of this um, walking in the light section, I guess for me, like one of the first things that comes to my mind is kind of an illustration. You know, if you... If you're in a house and there's roaches in the house and the lights are off, when you turn on the lights, what happens? They just scatter. The roaches scatter. Um, and so when sin is exposed by the light of God, those people scatter. You know, they don't want to be found. They don't want to be known. You know, robberies and things that happen, they happen at night. And when the light comes, they diminish. They go away. They don't happen anymore. Or at least they usually don't. Um, and so things that are contrary to God seem to happen in the dark. Um where no one can see it, where it's kind of secret. Uh, but we know that God knows all things. But when light is exposed to it, they scatter. They don't want to be exposed to the light. Yeah, yes. This is this is not just talking about physical darkness. Right. It's right. talking about spiritual yeah. darkness. You're right, yeah. And I say that because we're if, if you don't know, we're in America, and right now there's a increasing crime rate going on in larger cities. And... These people are brazen. These people committing these crimes in these larger cities are just brazen. They're doing it out in the open. They don't care. Well, the darkness that they're doing it in is nobody's stopping them. You know, there's no truth telling them, no, you can't do this, and there's a punishment for doing this. Now there's no punishment, so it's darkness. So they just, in brazen daylight, they just do some of the most heinous crimes that we can 
picture. I don't want to say think of because there are a lot more heinous crimes that are going on that are not in daylight yet. Um, so, so this day or this light, uh, Ephesians five talks about exposing evil and exposing uh, lies with the light. So, I guess we should clarify. What is the light? I mean, in this in this context, what is what is the light? And we've I mean, we've already mentioned that it's not physical light. We're not going to go shine a flashlight on a false teacher. That's not what it's talking about. But spiritually speaking, metaphorically speaking, what is the light of God that exposes the the falseness? I would say it's God's word. Um, it's God's. It's the truth that is said in the Bible. Um, and so, if we are not diligent in learning God's Word as the light and paying attention to Jesus and the way he lived his life, that's the light. And we see it a lot in John. Jesus is the light of the world and his Word is light. And so if we don't pay attention to that, we are going to be lost. Well, and Psalm says, Thy Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah. And it literally calls it a light. I mean, that's what it is. Um, and one thing that I think about is that, and we've talked at this congregation here a lot about this issue recently, but this idea of tolerance and just tolerating uh, sinful behavior and those and, you know, being loving and kind and accepting everyone is kind of this new idea that's been floating around. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 tells us to expose those who are doing those things. And we're called to expose it. We're not just called to sit back and relax and just accept people for who they are. No, if their behavior, if their ideas are contrary to God's word, we expose it because that's what we're called to do. So I think there's this really wrong idea floating around that Christians are just to love everyone and just to accept people for who they are no matter what their lifestyle looks like. Well, no. If it's sinful and contrary to God's word, we're called to expose it. I know that probably um, is a little nerve-wracking for a lot of people that maybe that are listening. You know, that's not what you're used to hearing, but that's what the word says. You know, it tells us to expose it. If it's darkness, if it's something that God condemns, God says it's sinful, we're to expose it. One of the big problems, I think, is whenever we equate love to acceptance. Yes. Uh, because you can, I mean, we see right here in verse, what is that, verse 11 and 12, that we're supposed to expose what is false. But a few verses earlier, in verse 5, we are called to walk in love as Christ loved us. And so loving someone, we are called to love everybody, that we're, we're absolutely called to love everyone. But we are also called to expose evil. And so it is a false, um, I want to say a false dichotomy to say that love and, or a, I'm using the wrong word here, it is false to equate love and acceptance. I can love someone without accepting um, what they do. Uh, look at God as the perfect example. God loves all, but he does not accept all. Uh, and like, just... Just for reference to this, verses 1 through 7 here, chapter 5, uh, the heading is walk in love, but what does verse number 7 says? Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Yeah. Um, and I think that exactly points out what we're talking about. You can walk in love and love people, but you don't have to be partakers or acceptive of what they're trying to do. Um, there, there's a phrase called tough love, and it's what family members are to do to somebody who's going through an addiction. You know, if you have a family member who's addicted to drugs or alcohol or name it, just 
and they are absolutely addicted to it. Well, you don't cudgel them. You, you, you still love them, but you don't accept their behavior and you make it known. And sometimes you have to be very brutal in that aspect to, you want to sit there and freeze on the front porch in the middle of December because you're too drunk to get into the house. That's what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come out and pull you in and throw you in the bathtub or shower to wash off your vomit because you puked on the front doorstep. You know, I might go out and check on you just to make sure you're not dead, but I'm not pulling you in to rescue you. You have to see that this behavior is, and, and that's, you know, that's exposing them to, okay, this is your bad behavior and this is Mm -hmm. where it's getting you. I'll go back to Romans one. Uh, Paul is calling out the Gentiles uh, for the way that they lived and their sin. And he says uh, three times, it says they exchanged what God presented to them um, for for lies. They exchanged the truth of God for lies. Uh, in, in Romans 1, 18 through um, 32, it says this phrase, the Gentiles exchanged God's truth for a lie. And then also three times in that same passage, we see, therefore, God gave them up. Um, We see it in verse 24, therefore, God gave them up to the lusts. Uh, Verse 26, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Verse 28, they did not see fit to acknowledge God, so God gave them up. Um, We also see passages in the Bible that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So just because God loves us, does not mean that God does not give people over into their sin and allow them to walk in, in their sin um, and give them up to their sin. So we need to make sure we don't equate I love other people to I must accept them. That is totally contrary to Scripture. And in fact, if we do love them, we're going to expose them. Uh, it is a loving act to expose sin in hope that we can bring them back. A good cross-reference reference for that is First uh, Peter 2, verse 12, I believe. Um, that's all I have. Um, preparing for this, I just happened to reread uh, verse 10. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You know, we always, I think we were doing it here too, we always say, well, the Bible can tell us everything that we need need to know and that's true but we also God has given us free will you know not every sin is listed in the Bible Mm -hmm. the the majority of them are but not every sin is listed in the in the Bible but with what is listed we can discern what is pleasing to God Mm -hmm. you know um, I'm trying to think of I mean, in, in, in the world of hermeneutics, which is the study of interpreting Scripture, discerning, there's, there's basically hermeneutics is a, is a threefold, uh, we have a threefold hermeneutic. One is commands. If it's said explicitly, we need to do it. If there's an example of it, then we need to do it. And the third one is where all the, all the uh, argument is around. It's called necessary inference. There's things in the Bible that are not said explicitly word for word, but we can use our logic and our reasoning and, and connect dots and put pieces together 
to figure out what the will of the Lord is. That's what verse 10 is talking about. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. God doesn't say everything word for word explicitly, but God communicates his will uh, through the pages of Scripture, and we have a responsibility to put pieces together and use our own minds and our reasoning to figure out what's pleasing to the Lord. Is that, is that what you're saying? Kind of. Um, I, I kind of let in with uh, the Bible doesn't mention every sin, but it doesn't just apply to sin. Um, instrumental music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the New Testament, we can't see an example of instruments being used in worship. Mm-hmm. By example mm-hmm. or command. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we Or see. inference, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we do, see, uh, we do see a couple of places, I believe in Ephesians. And yeah, we're about to get in, to it in the next yeah. one. Yeah. And I believe also in Galatians it says, sing to one another. Well, Colossians, but yeah. But, you know, so it's like, try to discern what is pleasing to God. I don't know about you guys, but if I hear my voice, I don't like the sound of it particularly singing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but it's not about me. And yes, I do hear Nate on occasion. And uh, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but uh, we'll I just can't. leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it's not about Nate singing to please me. Yeah. It's about Nate singing to please God. Um, I asked a question s- several months ago. Now, how many times have we ever just been driving down the road and broke out singing into a song of praise to God? Because we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, sing to God. There's sang a new song to God. You know, in both instances, it's they just broke out in song singing to God. It's to please God, not to please me. No matter how much I enjoy it. I think 15 and 16 verses there really kind of uh, tie all this together. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, which is carefully. You know, you weigh the consequences of your actions and how you're going to walk. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, sometimes you have to dig through stuff and really think about it, and you walk carefully. It's not just this, I'm going to follow blindly because that's what I've been told to do. No, you walk carefully. You think through things. You think through things logically. Um, Last night... We watched a live stream debate, um, and I think it really pointed to, you know, walk carefully, you know, really come to a conclusion on your own. Don't just do things because your pastor, your preacher, whoever told you to. No, think through it. Read God's word. Come to a conclusion on your own and walk circumspectly. Is that finish out this one? Mm-hmm. I'm good. All right. Well, we appreciate you listening. Um, we talked a lot about thinking carefully about how we walk. Maybe as you listen, you start to think introspectively and examine yourself, and you're thinking about if you're walking this life in the right way. Um, And you want to walk uh, for God, reach out to us, and we can help you do that. We can help you study the Bible and study what God desires uh, in our life, and we can um, get you on the right path. So reach out to us, and thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. See ya. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Let's Open the Bible podcast. If you have any questions, want to talk about the next steps in your faith journey, or are interested in receiving our daily Bible verse which corresponds to the content of this podcast, feel free to reach out to openthebible2022 at gmail.com. 
We hope you'll join us next week as we continue our study together. Have a great day.